Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.14 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the last day of July, the 31st, 2019. This is episode 120 of Bitcoin And... And, well, let's just get into it. Liquid launches support for Tether. This is Colin Harper writing for Bitcoin Magazine as of yesterday or the day before yesterday. The cryptocurrencies, in, cryptocurrency industry's predominant stablecoin, Tether, now has a new home on Blockstream's Liquid sidechain. As of today, July 29, 2019, the Bitcoin the secondary network now supports USDT as one of its liquid assets. These assets... The tokens that power the Liquid network hold a one-to-one parity with on-chain assets like BTC. Liquid USDT will now join LBTC as the second asset to be available on the network. Blockstream's Liquid sidechain has been billed as a federated secondary network for quick and cheap high-value transfers of Bitcoin, especially from exchange to exchange. To peg their on-chain BTC and LBTC, users can facilitate a swap through one of the network's liquid members who host the nodes that keep the network alive and mint new liquid assets. 2019 has been a year of growth for Blockstream's project. Back in May, it unveiled its liquid securities platform, which paved the way for launching security tokens on the network. Not too long after, the team integrated support for atomic swaps as well as the Lightning Network. Deposits and trading for Liquid USDT will be available on Bitfinex beginning today, and a number of other Liquid members are working on enabling Liquid USDT, including BTSE, BTC Trader, BTC Turk, OKEX, OKCoin, RenRenBit, and Sideshift AI, according to a press release. Quote, the addition of Tether is a major milestone in increasing the utility of the Liquid Network, said Samson Mao, CSO at Blockstream per the release. In combination with the latest developments in the Liquid ecosystem, traders can now achieve some really cool things such as OTC atomic swaps, super fast arbitrage between exchanges, and easy Tether custody with Blockstream Green, end quote. The Liquid team anticipates that Lightning Network support for Liquid USDT isn't too far off, something it believes will only improve low latency liquidity for the community's traders. Liquid USDT will also be available for self custody in Blockstream's multi signature green wallet. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, I just wanted to get that one out of the way before we uh, get into. Uh, the con- controversy of lolly and the uh, trademarking of stacking sats. At first, I thought we all got trolled. I, I really did, uh, but apparently not. Now, here's the here's the thing. If you didn't, if you don't know what we're talking about here, Marty Bent on uh, the 29th um, retweeted Robert B, who says I was looking at Try Lolly web- website and says that stacking sats is a registered trademark. And then he tags both Marty and, and Matt O'Dell. 
And Matt came back and basically said, shake my head and what the hell's going on. You know, essentially this is like a sort of like a, what the hell's going on. And sure enough, he's got a screenshot, uh, of, uh, the lollies website where it says sats back is, uh, trademarked and stacking sats is trademarked and they're the little, you know, the little TM symbols. Whoa. Okay. So, uh, this caused a shit storm as you can imagine. Uh, it was, seems to be cleared up by now. I haven't even, I haven't seen anything since the 29th on this, but just to be clear, uh, the team at Trilolly went and pulled the TM. It, this is what it appears to have happened. They appear to have gone back into their website and, and, uh, amended the situation by pulling the trademark symbol off of stacking sats, but before they were able to do that, they got they got hosed pretty you know pretty damn hard. They released a multi tweet, uh, essentially I guess it's sort of like an explanation of what was going on. And the the lolly guys said that they were trying to protect stacking sats from you know I don't know bad actors in the space. The problem is is that once you start you know trademarking something. It, 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 it's especially in this space is clearly an issue. Um, and a couple of lawyers, um, have that weighed into it. One of them, and I can't remember who made the statement that said, the more that a term is used in public with nobody tagging a TM to it, the less likely it is for a trademark to actually hold up later on. So keep that in mind. But, I think the guys at Lolly acted pretty cool. They took it off. They made an explanation. Um, yeah. And I I think let's, you know, let's just, let's just let it go. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, and this is not confirmed. I haven't been able to find a single thing about this, but, uh, at Rootzall, uh, a couple was this the 29th also, tweeted out, I just heard that BitPay canceled all German merchants. We would need a payment processor in Germany accepting BTC on Lightning with the option to instant convert to fiat. Maybe Bitwalla can provide such services. Anyway, I have yet, uh, there, there's been a couple of pseudo confirmations, but nothing, nothing, you know, terribly huge that makes me, you know, want to say without a doubt that uh, BitPay basically shit canned all of the German merchants. Although it wouldn't surprise me, but if anybody's got uh, confirmation on that, like good heavy duty confirmation, please alert the community because it wouldn't, like I said, with BitPay, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yes. Join the boating club, they said. Private keys will be Safu, they said. That's my response to at White Rabbit BTC's rele- uh, tweet of a couple of wooden coins that he's made. Uh, he says, I made two of these, Alder left and Walnut with faux weathering right. Want one? Say Alder or Walnut with your bid in Satoshis and 100% of proceeds will go to at BTC pay server. Bids start at 50,000 Satoshis each, ends tomorrow at 3 p.m. E- uh, Eastern Standard Time. I guess that would be actually Eastern Daylight Time. In in either event, um, it's over now. But <clears throat> these two coins, and I've I've got them for the cover art for today's show, um, are pretty cool looking. Man, it says Bitcoin Boating Club, and then it's got a picture of a dude about to fall in the water, and there's this little notch right at the top of him. And I was looking at it, trying to figure out what the the hell happened here. 
And I realized that it's like a, it's a hardware wallet that he's losing because as we all know, voting and private keys just don't mix, but maybe white rabbit will make some more of these. And, um, because these look pretty cool. I'd, I'd actually like to get one myself <laughs> again, Bitcoin boating club, wooden coins. Pretty awesome, man. Uh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. Gr- at not Grubles tweets out amazing OTC atomic swaps via Blockstream satellite now available to anyone on Twitter and anyone in the global satellite coverage area. And so he's got a, uh, not Grubles has a couple of links, uh, to, uh, the, uh, docs.blockstream.com talking, uh, which is instructing how to do, you know, get liquid up and, and doing swaps. But there's this, he's, he's referencing this Blockstream satellite transmission feed that basically says PGP pub key to encrypt offer accepts, acceptance, begin PGP public key block. And, you know, it just seems like you're going to be able to do, trans, I mean, the way this reads, it looks like it's going to be possible to do transactions over the Blockstream transmission feed with liquid and it just i the, i mean the whole thing just gets better and better and better and better i mean otc atomic swaps via blockstream satellite wow i mean come on man there's just all kinds of neat stuff going on including this one from at roast beef announcing lnd version 0.7.1 beta this is a minor release containing bug fixes and optimizations most notably is that we'll now pipeline pre-images which will dramatically cut down on multi-hop payment latency and they 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 were talking about a, a calculation that said that the 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 speed at which hops are made is something i think it's like 1.5 you multiply 1.5 uh, times the number of, uh, by the number of hops you're making. This apparently cuts that to 0.5 multiplied by the number of hops you are making. So that is a huge reduction in time uh, that was done on this quote unquote minor release of LND. Okay, getting back into the news. Uh, VP of Engineering Tim Wagner becomes latest exec to leave Coinbase. This is written by Brady Dale. This was yesterday. Coinbase executive Tim Wagner is leaving the crypto exchange after slightly over a year on the job. Wow, man. God, the turnover rate. That's terrible. Other high-ranking engineering staffers are leaving too. Wagner, Coinbase's vice president of engineering, will be departing in the next two weeks, a Coinbase spokesperson confirmed. The departure, the departure will leave a vacancy on the company's leadership team. Previously, Wagner served more than six years at Amazon Web Services, making him one of the most senior alums to, of big tech to join the cryptocurrency industry. Wagner joined shortly after Coinbase acquired, er, acquired Earn.com and made Balaji uh, Sivrenson, its chief technology officer. I know I butchered that. Wagner is another example of a senior member of the team departing the company in recent months. In May, Coinbase lost both CTO Srinvasan and COO Asif Khirji. A report, a recent report by the Information, exposed tensions between the two men that caused turmoil in the company's executive ranks. <laughs> Just fight, man. Just throw them in a ring. Coindesk was also able to confirm three other notable departures at the company outside of the leadership team. Wagner's departure follows that of Namrata Ganatra, Coinbase's now former senior director of engineering. Jesus. 
Granada announced yesterday that she'd be joining Lambda School as the education startup's new CTO. Coinbase veteran and current current engineering director Varun Srinivasan is also leaving the company, confirmed to Coindesk. After nearly four and a half years at Coinbase, Srinivasan's departure is in the work but has yet to be finalized. Facebook alum and Coinbase's former director of design, Connie Yang, left the company some months ago. She did not respond to a request for comment as of press time. Coinbase uh, employees of oh, roughly 700 people across multiple offices. Nick Tum, oh God, Tamaino, an early Coinbase employee who now runs investment firm First Confirmation, says turnover at San Francisco's uh, crypto unicorn is no big deal. Quote, Coinbase is a utility for the industry and its success as a company is solely dependent on the success of the cryptocurrency industry as a whole. This is not that. I'm sorry. This is me. That ain't true. Uh, He goes on to quote, a few exec departures don't matter much in the grand scheme of things. I believe it does. I'm sorry, man. But this kind of turnover is just. I don't see how you can defend that. I really don't. That just doesn't make any sense, but I'm not going to belabor that one. Um, let's see here. I was going to do the, the Senate, uh, the Senate hearings on cryptocurrency and whatnot, but you know, most people have been following that. So I'm, that's why I'm not going to do it because it's, ah, God, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, it's just a whole bunch of stuff. So let's, let's continue on. Um, in, in Craig Wright news, (laughs) apparently Craig can't math. Or he has a very difficult, very, he seems to have a very difficult grasp on when events occur. This is uh, Arthur Van Pelt at My Legacy Kits. He says, Craig, please, when you want to go full fake Toshi, please study the subject a little. The Bitcoin QT client was only introduced on November 1st, 2011. You were long gone, remember, by then? <laughs> <laughs> the front end when you quote started the Bitcoin network was WX widget. And he's got a couple of screenshots here. And this is by the, apparently so this is an article by Craig Wright subsidized growth. The, and he wrote this on the 29th of July of this year. So just, you know, two days ago. And the quote in the screenshot is when I started the Bitcoin network, the Bitcoin QT client was designed to both mine and act as a wallet. As such, it was far from perfect as the alpha, as the alpha software. Uh, and he goes on a little bit, but he basically says that it was the Bitcoin QT client. Well, in this other screenshot, uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin QT version 0.5.0 was released on the 1st of November, 2011. It introduced a front end that uses the QT user interface toolkit software previously used Berkeley DB for database management. So it would appear that Craig continues to get his timeline wrong. Uh, Amazing. Just absolutely amazing sec to run Bitcoin, Ethereum and XRP nodes. This is out of trust nodes today. Let's see. Do I get a byline? No, I can't find a byline. Okay. Whatever. United States securities and exchange commission is planning to run through contractors, a Bitcoin and Ethereum node. In addition to quote, as many as possible of the following blockchains, Bitcoin cash, stellar Zcash, EOS, Neo and XRP ledger. In quote, they provide no concrete reason as to why they need to run their own node, <clears throat> save from stating that it is, 
quote, to support its efforts to monitor risk, improve, <clears throat> improve compliance, and inform commission policy with respect to digital assets, end quote. They specifically state, quote, the subscription shall source all blockchain data from hosted nodes rather than providing this data as a secondary source, end quote. So suggesting what they're probably looking for is an analytics company to presumably outsource SEC's blockchain monitoring and compliance investigations. They would also like to have data that includes things like hashing algorithms, hashing power, mining difficulty and rewards, transaction quantity and size, coin supply and blockchain size. That sort of data is provided for free by plenty of blockchain explorers, but presumably they want analysis rather than just data as the requirements state the contractor should, quote, demonstrate level of rigor of data cleansing and normalization meets requirements of financial statement audit testing. If attribution data supplied, describe processes and data sources for blending blockchain data with attribution data points for deriving insights, end quote. They say all the data from the Genesis block onward should be provided in one go, then should be updated daily through some feed and preferably an API method of their choice. Well, good luck running, you know, finding all the data from Ethereum and XRP. I think XRP is like the first 33 thousand node or 30,000 blocks are missing something like that it's a huge number is it a massive gap right up front continuing they further want the provider to be able to add new blockchains within a three months notice meaning they're probably looking to implement on-chain surveillance systems to see or guess who is doing what with it unclear why Bitcoin is included. As a decentralized and as a permissionless open network, anyone can run a Bitcoin node and have access to all the data. But SEC has no jurisdiction over Bitcoin. Activities on the Bitcoin blockchain, however, could potentially come within their remit. Ethereum, for example, raised capital on the Bitcoin blockchain prior to launching exactly four years ago. SEC has stated Ethereum is not a security but it has not yet classified whether XRP is a security or whether any of the well, many well-known tokens running on the Ethereum on Ethereum are a security or otherwise. This system is perhaps being set up precisely so that they can establish whether a token or project is or is not a security. But one would have expected this sort of research some time ago. In addition, therefore, this might have something to do with SEC perhaps establishing more lenient frameworks by adapting their policy to account for blockchain's unique qualities. That could be very relevant in regards to compliant tokens, which might get the green light from SEC. With the assistance of the new system, such security tokens might have lower burdens of compliance because many aspects could be automated and auto-generated through blockchain analysis. So the American regulator might perhaps finally be moving a bit, but it's not clear whether their focus is more on enforcement or on facilitation of capital formation. So running Bitcoin by the SEC. That's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, if this if this is true, that's, you know, it's kind of like a big nod to the fact that this isn't going away. I mean, if they really thought this was going away, they wouldn't give a shit. Uh, so clearly they give a shit. And let's see who else is in here. Um, Kraken News. Kraken acquires institutional-grade cryptocurrency portfolio reconciliation solution Interchange, creates first full-service crypto trading platform. Wow, nice. This is as of this morning. 
Uh, Kraken consistently <coughs> rated the most secure digital asset exchange and leader in Euro volume since 2013. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, this is out of businesswire.com. Today announced the acquisition of Interchange, a best-in-class accounting, reconciliation, and reporting service provider for cryptocurrency hedge funds, asset managers, and fund administrators. The transaction creates the the world's first end-to-end crypto trading and reconciliation platform and brings Interchange co-founders and well-respected crypto veterans Dan Held and Clark Moody to Kraken. Good move, Dan. Interchange offers professional-grade accounting and portfolio reconciliation tools designed specifically for the nuances and complexities of digital asset markets. Founded to improve access to crypto markets, Interchange enables institutional investors to better monitor and report their cryptocurrency holdings. In less than a year, the Interchange team has brought a new next-generation product to the institutional marketplace and is servicing over 60 institutions, including fund administrators and hedge funds. Clients including MG Stover, the world's largest fund administrator for digital asset funds, value the reliability and intuitive nature of the software. Since 2014, Kraken has registered a triple-digit growth rate in institutional clients year-on-year and continues to create new and innovative products to address their most persistent challenges. Together with CryptoWatch, Kraken's popular multi-exchange charting, trading, and portfolio tracking platform Interchange will provide investors and traders with an end-to-end solution to manage and optimize their portfolios. In addition of Interchange, oh, sorry, the addition of Interchange will enable CryptoWatch to offer an unmatched set of products, including historical and real-time data, advanced charting, multi-exchange trade execution, research and insights, critical accounting and portfolio reconciliation tools, and world-leading index products via Kraken CF Benchmarks business, formerly known as Crypto Facilities Industry or Indices. Bringing together this valuable and comprehensive offering in a single venue reinforces Kraken's commitment to creating a best-in-class platform, supporting the adoption of crypto globally among individuals, professional traders, and institutions. Quote, I couldn't be more excited to welcome Dan Clark and the Interchange team to Kraken. What's great about Interchange is that it makes accounting, trade reconciliation, and reporting so much easier for institutions and individuals trading on Kraken so our clients can stay focused on tapping the tremendous value that cryptocurrency markets offer, says Jesse Powell, Kraken CEO. Quote, with Interchange, we set out to build best-in-class tools for institutional traders, said, said Dan Held. Becoming part of the Kraken family will enable us to improve our core portfolio reconciliation product while creating new possibilities for our clients who will now have easy access to Kraken's cutting edge suite of products and quote the interchange acquisition also or sorry the the interchange acquisition follows the acquisition earlier this month of cryptofinance.ai a software tool that provides access to prices and market data for more than 50, from more than 50 exchanges as well as blockchain network data delivered via Google Sheets In February this year, Kraken announced its acquisition of crypto facilities, now known as Kraken Futures, which has been its largest to date. The combination makes Kraken the only regulated exchange to offer spot and futures trading on a single platform. God, Jesse's just moving like fire. But then again, everybody in this space seems to be moving like like a, a forest fire. Um, we'll not do that one. We'll do this one. Bahrain Crypto Exchange gets central bank license in Middle East first. This is William Suberg writing for Cointelegraph a couple of hours ago. 
Bahrain-based cryptocurrency exchange Rain has become the Middle East's first exchange to receive a regulatory license. In a blog post from July 31st, Rain confirmed it had received a crypto asset module license from the Central Bank of Bahrain. The license came the same week Rain announced successful closure of a $2.5 million funding round backed by partners including the VC arm of crypto derivative giant BitMEX. Kuwaiti blockchain fund Blockwater also contributed. The blog post reads, quote, With this license, Rain has become the first encrypted currency trading platform in the Middle East to be fully licensed by a regulatory entity and join a limited range of internationally recognized platforms for currency trading. As Cointelegraph reported, the Middle East market has traditionally proven a tough environment for crypto business, specifically those involved in trading. Islamic banking laws forbid certain types of translations, with scholars in different jurisdictions giving conflicting opinions as to whether cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin conform to norms that frown on speculation and interest lending. Rain did not mention the issue, instead stressing its position as a fully compliant financial operator and ability to form meaningful ties with local banks. The blog post continues, quote, through licensing, we have demonstrated our commitment to the terms of the encrypted asset unit in terms of capital adequacy, cybersecurity, insurance, reporting, governance, and other matters that ensure our readiness to provide our services to both institutional and individual clients. July, meanwhile, saw additional recognition of cryptocurrency activities across the Arabian Gulf in Iran, where the government took steps to formally condone, formally condone Bitcoin mining after a period of jockeying within different governmental ministries. So one by one, the dominoes fall. And it looks like we got a looks like our favorite zombie Mountain Gox is still walking around. Uh, it's just awful. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph uh, yesterday. Mt. Gox CEO Mark Carpellis must face United States class action lawsuit. Jeez, man, this guy is just... Uh, District Judge Robert Kelly refused the request of the former CEO of now-defunct cryptocurrency exchange Mt. Gox, Mark Carpellis, to dismiss the U.S. class action lawsuit against him. Industry news outlet Coindesk reports on July the 30th. Per the report, Carpellis previously filed for the dismissal of the lawsuit, alleging that he has hidden issues at the exchange from its users by claiming that the Philadelphia court did not have jurisdiction in the case. An alleged court document of the ruling also indicates that the lawsuit has been initiated by former Mt. Gox user Gregory Pierce on behalf of the people affected by the collapse of the company. Pierce claims that Carpellis was aware of the presence of security bugs in the system but did not make these defects known to the public. Originally, the suit was also brought against the exchange's banking partner, Mizuho Bank, but the court found not to have jurisdiction over the bank. Pierce accuses Carpellis of negligence and fraud. As Cointelegraph reported in April, the trustee of now-defunct Japanese cryptocurrency exchange Mt. Gox has extended the deadline for submission of rehabilitation plans. Also in April, rumors started circulating that users who held Bitcoin on Mt. Gox exchange and had certain self-admission rehabilitation claims filed for them could reportedly receive some of their funds back. So, I don't know. This this thing is just it's just a dumpster fire that will not extinguish. It's just not going to extinguish. Here's a little bit of fun. Swiss crypto startup makes highest Bitcoin trade ever at 4,164 meters. This is again by Adrian writing for Cointelegraph. 
Cryptocurrency financial services provider Bitcoin Suisse claims to have conducted a Bitcoin trade at the highest altitude ever in a promotional stunt that took place on July 13th. A YouTube video proving this achievement was published on July 19th. According to the firm's claim, the trade carried out by its staff took place on the summit of Brighthorn Mountain Range in the Pyrenean Alps, located on the border between Switzerland and Italy. Furthermore, almost 70 people reportedly took part in the publicity stunt, 4,164 meters, nearly 2.59 miles above sea level. The official Bitcoin Suisse Twitter account wrote about the achievement, quote, new all-time high. <laughs> on July 13th, Bitcoin Suisse conducted the highest Bitcoin trade ever recorded on the summit of Brighthorn, Switzerland, 4,106 meters and 64 meters above sea level. Likewise, cryptocurrency startup Loof's Twitter account commented on the stunt complimenting the exchange's initiative, but also admitting that it may be, quote, a little bit over the top, end quote. Bad joke. In May 2018, a similar promotional event for, for the Ukrainian social network Ask ASKFM's upcoming initial coin offering involved climbing Mount Everest and placing a ledger hardware wallet with the startup's tokens on, the, on its summit and led to the death of Lamb Babu Sherpa. Oh, man. After I remember that. As Cointelegraph reported in January last year, KFC Canada also leveraged crypto for promotion, introducing a new menu item, the Bitcoin bucket of chicken trade tenders that customers could buy exclusively with Bitcoins. Earlier this month, Swiss crypto broker Bitcoin Suisse applied for banking and securities dealer licenses from Switzerland's finance regulator. So, yeah, man, all-time high, a little bit over the top. Dude, dad jokes all over this one. Nice, nicely done, though. Uh, this is uh, Bitcoin miner maker Kanan confident, confidentially, confidentially files for IPO in the U.S. Daniel Palmer writing as of this morning for Coindesk says, Kanan Creative, the major Bitcoin miner manufacturer, is said to have confidentially filed for an IPO in the U.S., according to a report from IFR Asia on Wednesday, citing people with knowledge of the matter, the Hangzhou China-based firm is seeking to raise $200 million via the public listing. Kanan would not provide comment when contacted by Coindesk. A report from Bloomberg in January also suggested Kanan's IPO could be launched this year in New York, although the process was then said to be in its early stages. Kanan, maker of the popular Avalon minor range, had previously been seeking to go public in Hong Kong to apparently raise about $1 billion, filing publicly for an IPO in March last year. That plan, though, has been abandoned. And the firm's Hong Kong stock exchange application lapsed in November. I wonder if they saw this stuff and this all this unrest in Hong Kong coming and just said that they don't want to deal until they until that Hong Kong shit gets all of its crap sorted out. It's going to be difficult for anybody to uh, do stuff like that in Hong Kong. I, I just think that they are. That's I think that's probably why they they did that. They saw this shit riding on the wall. In March, it was reported that the firm was considering an IPO attempt on the newly created Science and Technology Innovation Board within the Shanghai Stock Exchange, in addition to its communication with the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. Confidential filings for companies of all sizes are allowed in the United States after the Securities and Exchange Commission in July of 2017 changed the rules in a bid to encourage more IPOs. Prior to that, only smaller firms were allowed private applications. 
firm's IPO registration statements are submitted in an, in an SEC filing, the S-1, around three to four months before their planned launch. The SEC reviews the documents before approving the public offering. Rival minor manufacturer Bitmain also failed in its bid to IPO in Hong Kong and was reported to be considering an attempt in the U.S. in June. Yeah, good luck with that, Jihan. Well, I guess Jihan's no longer there. Oh, well. Okay, another good news. Fold app adds Bitcoin kickbacks for purchases at Target Starbucks. This is Coindesk and Leah Quinn. Or Kewen is writing as of this morning, the crypto payments startup Fold, which launched a portal for buying Domino's Pizza using the Lightning Network in February, now offers cashback rewards in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin to shoppers who use the mobile app for purchases at Amazon, Uber, Starbucks, Burger King, REI, and Target, just to name a few. The in-browser app Lolly already offers this feature for desktop users and is developing a mobile app of its own. Now with Fold entering the game... Bitcoiners might benefit from competition between the shopping apps. But while Lolly offers an in-browser custodial wallet, which can also be used to send Bitcoin rewards to external wallets, Fold's app automatically directs the rewards to an external wallet specified by the user. Quote, it's akin to accruing rewards points, but these are denominated in Satoshi's. Fold product lead Will Reeves told Coindesk, quote, they can be used for purchases within Fold or withdrawn to an actual Bitcoin wallet. Fold's lightning compatibility also sets it apart from Lolly's beginner-friendly service. This is possible because while Lolly works directly with merchants, Fold partners with prepaid card networks and especially buys a, essentially buys a gift card with users' Bitcoin, then facilitates the purchase on the, on the user's behalf. Reeves said the Lightning Pizza feature has generated nearly $10,000 worth of transactions so far, with dozens of pizza purchases still rolling in every day. Executives at both Lolly and Fold now say their respective startups have thousands of active monthly users. Lolly CEO Alex Adelman told Coindesk that in addition to launching a mobile app, his team has plans to implement Lightning options into the Lolly payout feature, quote, Lightning will be a powerful tool to help with the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin. I'm excited to eventually share it with all of our merchants, Adelman told Coindesk. Adelman, sorry. Meanwhile, from Reeves' perspective, competitors like Lolly have adapted incumbent affiliate models while Fold seeks to build a new payments system. Quote, soon Fold users will be able to spend any currency they choose directly with these retailers and get free Bitcoin for doing so. Beneath all the fun of shopping and rewards, we intend to introduce a whole new paradigm to consumer spending, Reeves said. So adoption is all over the damn place, man. Um, not going to do that one. Yeah, and because I'm not going to do that one, that'll do it for your morning roundup. Vital statistics, as usual, brought to you by BitInfoCharts and Mempool.space. We have Bitcoin at an average of 9,861. The high is going to be over at Bitstamp at 9,880. And the low looks like it's probably going to be over at GDAX at 9,872. Fairly, fairly tight. Oh, wait, that's not the low. Sorry. Uh, where is the low? I just had the low. Oh, it's Simex at 9,801. 
All right, so yeah, uh, from 801 to 880, we got a pretty tight trading range. We have 333,000 transactions made over the last 24 hours, uh, averaging 14,000 transactions per hour with uh, 1.75 million BTC being sent over that 24-hour period with 73,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. 5.26 BTC are being sent on average, and a median transaction value is 0.032 BTC, or about 316 bucks. Block time is nominal at 10 minutes and 4 seconds. We have lost 16.86% of the hash rate in the last 24 hours, bringing us down to 61.8 exahashes per second. Last GitHub commit was sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 215, Litecoin is at 95, Bcash is at 333, BSV is at 148, Ethereum Classic is at almost six bucks, and Dogecoin is holding at 0.0028. And Dogecoin transactions at 36,500 over the last 24 hours, but problem is, is that it still doesn't get back above BSV or Bcash. I guess they were getting embarrassed about that. Mempool, given from mempool.space. Looks like we have nine blocks that are yet to be mined with a total of about 15,000 transactions waiting to be mined. And every single block that I see is, uh, whether mined or waiting to be mined, is uh, above one megabyte. So again, yes, we don't have a one megabyte cap on Bitcoin blocks and haven't had it since SegWit. That's going to do it for Vital Statistics. All right, for the song today, we've got uh, Weezer's version of Toto's Rosanna. And there's a real interesting thing about this particular song, uh, no matter who does it, if they, if they keep to the original, the original song from Toto, uh, is to, you know, basically you have to include the, the drum line on this one. Otherwise, the song doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It can't work. Um, the thing about this song is, you know, since it was, re- you know, ever since it was released is that it made a buzz among musicians because Jeff Beccaro, the drummer of the late drummer of Toto, did such a spectacular job on the on the drumline or the or the groove for this song that it just without it it the, the, if to do any other groove this song falls apart it just falls apart and people have been talking about this shuffle groove for a long 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 time about how it's just it's just this amazing this amazing thing well, I found an interview, or a, it may have been an interview, or or it may have been a drum instruction video of Jeff Picaro literally dissecting this groove, which he claims he stole, but I don't, I don't think you actually steal it. But I, I think it's it was interesting that he just flat out says I stole this, but it's not, it's, it's not because it's a combination of a couple of different things, and nobody else made that combination, so I don't see how it could be you know, stolen anyway. Uh, but I'm going to let Jeff explain through his own words, exactly what's going on with this thing. And then you'll hear the song. All right. Next, I'd like to get into the halftime shuffle groove. This groove is one of my favorites. Some of my favorite drummers. I love hearing them play this kind of groove. Um, I use the halftime shuffle groove on the tune Rosanna, the Toto cut. 
And I've been asked about that beat a lot, so I'd like to try to explain that beat the best of my ability right now, get it clear. I stole that beat from listening to two records. One was Home at Last and Babylon Sisters, which is Bernard Purdy, Steely Dan Records. Another is the John Bonham on A Fool in the Rain, a Led Zeppelin tune. The Bernard Purdy thing, I like to call it the Bernard Purdy Halftime Shuffle, is basically this. The John Bonham beat that I copied from Fool in the Rain was something like this. Putting those two beats together, I came up with my own little kind of hybrid. For Rosanna, I added the Bo Diddley figure. It's a shuffle Bo Diddley figure. Basically. And putting them together, this is what it came up with. All right, let me break this beat down for you. On the hi-hat, I'm playing the first and last note of the triplet on each beat. With the left hand, I'm going to ghost the second note of each triplet on each beat, something like this. One, one, one. Now I'm going to add the backbeat on the third beat on the snare drum, and I'm going to ghost the second note of the third triplet, something like this. Now I'm going to add the Bo Diddley shuffle bass drum figure. Bon. And all together it should be something like this. That's the basic groove. Now, you can do things like play quarter notes on the hi-hat like Bernard do to get a different kind of lope out of it. And that would sound like this. Yeah.
Trainwrecked is brought to you by Peter Schiff. Well, actually, it's not Peter Schiff. It's it's relevant Peter, which is a like a parody account. But it's just it was just the tweets just too good. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with it. I've been buying the gold dip for eight straight years. The Bitcoin crowd isn't ready for hands this strong. Yeah, I know. It's probably not all that fair to, to Peter because he didn't actually say that. But, well, he he, he kind of has been with his actions because he's been harping. He's been shilling gold throughout the entire gold dip, which is a long, long, long ass dip. Anyway, man, that's going to do it for your daily train wreck.
All right, guys, it is time for the Terrible Joke Corner. I got a good one today, man. Oh, man, this one, this one is awesome. My boss said to me, you're the worst train driver ever. How many have you derailed this year? I said, I'm not sure. It's hard to keep track. Yes, that, that, my friends, is the high, one of the highest quality bad jokes that I've ever come across in my life. It is a thing of beauty. It has a powerful force. Hodel and Not wrote me back on when I, because I always tweet out these jokes before I put them on the show, that, what, what did he say? He said, Hodel and Not says, that is a very powerful dad joke indeed. Remember that with great power comes great responsibility. Wield it with care. And I, I, I am absolutely uh, in a hundred percent agreement with that because that, that's a, that's a bad joke for the ages, man. Anyway. So, okay. Um, this is going to, this has turned out to be a shorter show than I thought. I apologize, but you know, we cut covered basically the major news that was going on. I guess I could have padded it with another 10 minutes by going through the congressional hearings, but really come on, man. Oh, just trudging through, Political stuff is, oh, it's, it's anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. But this, you know, there was some really good news coming out today. I mean, the, the fold thing coming out. Um, so now we got Lolly and fold, uh, you know, and uh, um, Lolly's probably going to be doing the, the lightning thing. We get some, some Lolly co- co- controversy, I guess, as the uh, Europeans would say. That's, you know, that's always fun. Um, if you run across that, uh, maybe we, sh- we could give them a break. Um, maybe their hearts really were in the, in the right place. And let's just, let's just make that assumption. Uh, hopefully they don't do anything like that again, because man, drawing the ire of, of the, uh, maximalists can be hazardous to your business health as we have seen time and time again. Um, yeah, so it, I, things look pretty good. We've got a, you know, a small price bump. Let's see, what are we at right now? We've got another one too. Uh, I've got, I've got bit stamps showing $9,994. So almost cracking 10. We'll, we'll see. RSI is on the uh, 14 day is just, just under 80. So it's a little high. We'll have to see. We're bouncing around sideways for so long that it's, it's hard for these moves to not, um, facilitate blow offs and stuff like that. And we're high enough on the RSI, both the seven day and the 14 day that I start to wonder if we're just going to end up crashing another 400 points moving sideways, which frankly, I don't, I don't really, you know, I'm not really all that concerned about. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, Hey, we just broke Oh, for a second, for just a bare second, we broke 10,000 and we've just done it again. $10,004.11. Nice, nice. Okay, anyway, I, I will see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.